Welcome to Hope Blooms, a podcast from the Early Pregnancy Loss Association. At EPLA, we seek to support women and families suffering early pregnancy loss by providing resources, education, and community. It is our vision that no one suffers miscarriage alone. Welcome back to Hope Blooms. My name is Maria Servold, and I am the president of EPLA. And I'm Emily Carrington, the executive director. Today with us, we have two special guests, Ben and Heidi Kafferlin. And I'm really excited to sit down. Excited is never the right word. I always start this, but I'm really eager (laughs) to sit down. I hate there's so many people we have to talk to, right? And just talk about their story and their experience with their own loss. I just think the more we can share these, the better. So welcome, Ben and Heidi. It's, It's so great to have you on our show. Thanks. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So let's just start, you know, sort of at the beginning. And I want to let you guys tell your story and give voice to your story and your experience, your pregnancy and and your loss. So can you just give us a little bit of background of, of your own loss? Yeah. So we were married in March of 2019. And we, I found out I was pregnant at the beginning of August. And it's a little, a little bit unexpected, but we weren't unhappy about it. We were in a very, very busy season. Ben is an elected official here at the county level in Northwestern Pennsylvania. And we got married six weeks before the primary election, his primary election. And, and then we were just running, running when we got back from our honeymoon and the whole, like we were in a, had moved into a house, his grandfather's house, which was like just we were totally redoing in the middle of this election and our, the whole first year was just kind of nuts for us the tornado hit the county yeah we were dealing with the tornado <laughs> in the first few weeks of being married and it was just very very chaotic so it was very uh i guess sort of bonding for us in the t- sense that we had to like go through all these trials like in the first few months of our marriage and learn to work together in the midst of all of that so I was 11 weeks. So we had just started deciding to tell everybody that we were going to have a baby. And so by the beginning of September, I went in for my first appointment with the local OBGYN. And my intention was to have a midwife birth. Um, but at the local OB practice, their standard practice was to, that you see an OB first and then, and then you can see whoever you want after that. So I saw the OB, it was, my appointment was the last appointment of the week on a Friday afternoon. And so, and he clearly wanted to go home. (laughs) I think he was going golfing or something and he just clearly wanted to be out of there. He was pretty abrupt with me. I had brought in some blood work. I had kind of a history of some thyroid imbalances and stuff. So I had brought in some blood work for my, um, my primary, my PCP. PCP. And I said, you know, the PCP would appreciate if we could just keep an an eye on these levels um, in the beginning of my pregnancy. And he was really, um, he just really dismissed that. And I felt a very unprofessional way. Um, So he said, he literally used the words, the word useless multiple times. He went down to the list and said, this is useless. This is useless. This is useless. Instead of saying, Hmm, I'd like to send an email to your PCP and have, you know, have a clarifying conversation. Maybe he was just very dismissive of that request. So, 
Um, that was my first <laughs> red flag with him. We were pretty excited. I had no reason to think that anything was wrong. Um, he did an internal exam that first um, that first appointment uh, just to see how things were sitting. Um, and he seemed to think that everything was fine. Um, and then, so after that all weekend, I had had some discharge, um, and I did put a call in, I'd put a call into the, the maternity, uh, department at the hospital and just said, Hey, is this normal? Like it wasn't like bleeding, bleeding, but it was enough that I was a little bit concerned. So they were like, well, you know, it's fairly normal, um, at this stage in the first trimester. Um, you know, if you're still experiencing this, you know, by Monday, I think I called them on Sunday because I was, had discharged all Saturday. And then by Sunday I called them and said, you know, this is still happening. Is this normal? So they said, if it's still happening by Monday morning, definitely get the doctor's office a call. So it was, and it was increasing. And that's what I did. Uh, I think by the time I was able to call the doctor on Monday, they didn't have an appointment until Tuesday morning. So they said, this is really interesting through the whole, through the whole experience, every, almost every person that we talked to, um, on the phone or otherwise used the, the phrase, if it would relieve your anxiety. And, um, Ben and I are both on the volunteer fire department here. He is the head of emergency management in our County. Um, we both have seen a fair amount of traumatic situations and know how to assess what is an actual uh, emergency <laughs> and what it is, you know, to be concerned about. We've seen a lot of incidents where people are very worked up and over nothing really. And so I felt like the whole time we were going through this couple of days of, of all of this, I was kind of treated like I didn't know what I was talking about and that my concerns were not valid and that they were just sort of trying to pacify me and push me through. So when I talked to the nurse at the OB's office, um, she said, well, you know, if it rele would relieve your anxiety, you can come in and have a doctor see you. And um, I was like, okay, fine, whatever. So when we came in that next morning, Ben came with me and he, he literally had his polo shirt on that said Warren County emergency management. And he said, you know, he introduced himself to the doctor. Um, the doctor examined me and said, you know, unfortunately, and he was very professional. He said, unfortunately, I don't, you know, this pregnancy has not made it. I don't re exactly remember what he said, but he was fairly compassionate. Um, and I think it was, you know, pretty standard and we were very measured in the way that we took it. Um, neither one of us were hysterical or anything. Um, and so we just said, okay, what's next? And so the doctor explained that he wanted to do a DNC the next morning at the hospital. Um, first, he was going to send me over for some more blood work and, and an additional ultrasound at the hospital. So he said, right now, you're going to go over to the hospital, which was just five minutes away from his office. Um, and so we went in for the ultrasound. They confirmed um, the miscarriage. And then I, I did some more blood work. And then uh, he said, I'll you know, he said that we would be hearing from him in, in the next couple of hours after all those results came back in. Well, we never did hear from him. We waited and waited. We waited in the park outside the hospital for, I don't know, an hour after that. 
And so we thought, well, we haven't waited or we haven't heard from him yet. So we'll, we'll mosey on home. We stopped for ice cream on the way home because in this family, if it's a good day, you get ice cream. If it's a bad day, you get ice cream. <laughs> so we had ice cream at Dairy Queen and uh, we stopped at Ben's parents' house. Ben's parents live just two miles from us. So we stopped and talked to his mom on the way back home. And we were in two different cars because Ben had been at work when I went in for my appointment and he met me there. So we were in two different cars. We stopped at his mom's because we had to do some logistics about my appointment the next morning. He was going to come with me, but he had an important meeting afterwards. So she was going to bring me home. And we live a half an hour from the hospital. So so we stood there in mom's front yard and we're, talk, we're talking to her and we just kind of agreed what would all happen the next day. And right when we were standing there, I was I started feel to feel more of a rush, like things started to move a little bit. And so I was like, I'm going to go home and, uh, I think I need to change my, um, my feminine, you know, hygiene products. So, um, I jumped in the car, drove home It's only two miles away. So it's, you know, like five minutes or less than that. (laughs) And I pulled into the driveway and when I got out of the car, I just started hemorrhaging immediately. And, and I ran in the house grabbed the phone because Ben was only a few minutes away and I jumped in the bathtub because it was that much volume that that's all I could think to do. And, uh, so I jumped in the bathtub and, um, and then everything just started moving more quickly after that. And I have a history of syncope with quote unquote seizure like activity. So when I have any sort of trauma, my my vitals will tend to tank. Um, and that's something that has happened to me multiple times over the course of my life. Um, so I called Ben and he was still talking to his mom and, and, uh, I said, I need you right now. And so they both rushed over. And by the time he got back, I mean, I was flat in the bathtub just trying to contain. So I was having contractions. It wasn't anything more than like a heavy period, but it was definitely, um, I was hemorrhaging more than seemed normal. Yeah. (laughs) Seemed acceptable. Yeah. And I was starting to feel faint and everything. So I said, I need you to get the doctor on the phone right now. So we called the doctor who we we had just seen that morning. (laughs) And the nurse was again said, well, you know, is she tried to walk us through like, what is a normal amount of bleeding for that sort of a situation? And she's like, well, you shouldn't be going through, you should, not be going through any more than a pad in an hour. And Ben was like, we're, we're going through like one every five minutes here. That's the volume we're dealing no, with. No, at least. I mean, so I'm an EMT and I can definitely make an assessment as to whether or not you're bleeding sufficiently that you need an ER trip. So I was like, this is, this is definitely, <laughs> we're going to seek medical. Yeah. And she was very <laughs> like blase, like, well, and I was like, I still remember her name. Her name was Heather. I was like, Heather, get the doctor on the phone for me right now, <laughs> because this is like, we're not just hemming and hawing here. Like I need to know, we need to tell him what's going on. Well, this, this language, I want to pause you for just a second. This, this, this heavy period language mm-hmm. um, is something so misleading that and confusing. has bothered me for a really long time. Like I have never, I'm, you know, this is gonna, uh, while we're here, I have never in my, you know, what, 25 years of periods, had to take myself to the bathtub to deal with mm-hmm. it. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Um, <laughs> so, I didn't even the the toilet didn't even occur to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like yeah. this is not something and and uh, my own experience was, you know, similar not in that I, I ended up not needing an ER trip, but right like I, this was not something that was contained. This was not a heavy period. This was no. you know, mm-hmm. going to the shower and this is not a heavy period. Right, mm-hmm. right. I also, just to sort of add, I did go to the e- a similar situation and went to the ER. And the time they spent like typing my information in, it's like, that, that put me in a room, you know. It just yeah. seemed like, why is no one feeling the urgency like I'm feeling the urgency? But, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so you've, you've demanded the doctor f- from yeah. Heather. And again, the nurse used the language, okay, if it would relieve your anxiety you know, you can talk to the doctor. <laughs> it's like, it was at this point that I was just fed up with that phrase. And so he gets on the phone and, and I only had enough time to greet him and tell him, I don't even remember what I told him. You passed out around. Uh, then. Yeah. Before I just passed out. And Ben was like, and he's on speakerphone. Ben's there. My mother-in-law's there. And so they're talking to the doctor on the speakerphone and then I'll let you take it from there because I was unconscious. <laughs> so Ben says she's unconscious now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm like, she's going to, she's lost more than a pint of blood. You know, we're definitely going to the hospital. Um, you know, do he you, said clean do you, her up and bring her into my yeah, office. He said, Just clean her up and bring her, bring her into my office. And I was like, no, we're definitely going to a hospital. The question is, do we go to the hospital that's closest or do we go to a hospital that you want to meet us at? And The uh, hospital that's closest to us is only 15 minutes from us, but it doesn't have a maternity ward. Right. Um, and nobody around, like nobody that we know even wants to go to the ER there. It's kind of a glorified urgent care. Well, either way. Um, but that was my question was, are you wanting to see her at a certain location or not? Because we're definitely going to see... Um, going, we're going to we're going by ambulance somewhere. <laughs> Where do you yeah. want it to be? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so anyway, he was like, uh, you know, you should clean her up and bring her to my office. And I expressed again that she's lost too much blood. She's clearly hemorrhaging. And at least as an EMT, you're not allowed to stuff anything. So, you know, there's, there's not, I'm very limited in what I'm capable of doing. Um, you know, as an EMT. And so we're going to the ER and, uh, he just kept being dismissive of it and, uh, finally ended it. Well, good luck. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. Oh my goodness. He, he, ben is like, what should we do? And he's like, well, good luck. And, and that, like, when I heard that later, I, I was floored. Like every medical professional that I've ever heard says, if you're ever in any doubt, Go to the emergency room, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? <laughs> Just to cover their own backside, <laughs> right? I, I right. would think they'd encourage it so that it was like someone else's problem, you know? Right? They say go to the emergency room because they don't want to be liable for somebody else dying or going into shock <laughs> or whatever on their watch, you know? So, so Ben like hung up on him because he was like, "Well, this guy's." not doing us any good. And this is, you know, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to hang up on you and I'm going to call 911. And that's what he did. So by the time I came to, you know, granted, remember we're on the volunteer fire department. So when I was coming to, I heard one of our really good friends, who's our fire chief 
on the radio saying 648 on scene. And I knew that, you know, I could just see all these yahoos in our volunteer fire department marching into my bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) So right away, as soon as I could say anything, I listed off a few select names that I wanted in my bathroom in this scenario. (laughs) The pros and cons of small town living. Yes. (laughs) You know who's there. That means you can say who's coming in. Right. So Ben's mom was like, huh, what's she saying? And then Ben then knew exactly what I was talking about. And he had already been clearing the hallway for a stretcher and everything to come in. So, and then I started that when my mom and I walked into the bathroom and I saw the volume of blood and she went to you and I immediately started preparing because I knew we were going by ambulance. Right. Oh, and, and this whole time, my mother-in-law was, was like help. So a little background, my, my mother-in-law was not exactly very accepting of me when Ben and I started dating and she was icy at best when we were engaged. And so by the time we got married, like, you know, it was, had thawed out a little bit, but it wasn't exactly like buddy, buddy. To be honest, I think this experience was one of the bonding moments. I was right. say, did she bond? Yeah. Yes. She was incredibly level-headed in that scenario. And she was, she is, she is not a touchy feely person at all. And she was very compassionate with me. Well, Ben, on that vein, I kind of want to ask you, like in that moment, was your like husband brained or EMT brain on? Like totally how? EMT. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably good. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing. Uh, it didn't hit me really until. We were sitting in the ER probably. Mm-mm. No, I mean, I'm not saying I was uncompassionate to you or anything. But. No, he was very much in emergency management mode. <laughs> well, that's that's probably a, a, a good thing. Oh, and do you think that's changed sort of, I'm, I'm derailing here a little bit, any of your sort of, your EMT brain trying to be, you know, sort of both at the same time or how you sort of run into situations now or? I don't know. I don't. I don't really know. I, d- I can tell you that at one point I did finally process, but it was it was maybe the next day on the couch or something like that. I started crying suddenly, and you're like, "What's the big deal?" <laughs> it's over. <laughs> yeah, the understatement of the year is that we processed at completely different rates. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, right. But that's that's we're jumping ahead. But uh, so, so yeah. So Ben is clearing the hallway. Your mother-in-law is. Everyone is jumped into trauma mode. Yeah, and he. He chased out the the yahoos that were marching into my living room. (laughs) You've identified who you want. Yeah. And actually, one person showed up in that moment who I was not expecting because she doesn't go on very many calls. This she's a pastor's wife in our small town. She is on our fire department. She's a trauma nurse. She's a trauma ER nurse and she's a Samaritan's purse dispatch nurse. So she goes all over the world with Samaritan's Purse. And I mean, she was recently in countries in the world as of, (laughs) as of late that have been an extreme upheaval and she's seen everything. And she was the first person in, well, she wasn't the first person in, but she just came right to me and just started praying over me. And that was extremely comforting. And later on, I found out that she gathered up what remains were in the bathtub and gave them to Ben later. And Oh, wow. That's what huge. a gift 
for well, someone. No, she gave it to me then, so I took it to the oh. hospital. It was oh, my mother it. that went back and cleaned everything before right. we came home. Mm. Right, but Joni was the like one of the few people in the scenario that recognized the this needs to be preserved and mm. cared for, and that wasn't even right. something that was on my mind in that in that moment. Because right. by the time I got on the stretcher, I was totally with it, but I wasn't. I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, we talk about that a lot with the remains that like most people, myself included, don't even think to, yeah, you know, try to save them and and right. then later you regret it. So that's great that she did that. Yeah, I'm very grateful for that because similarly, I was kind of in EMT mode. Like I was thinking we're taking this for the purpose, for medical purposes or whatever. It wasn't until we got to the hospital. I was like, wow, this is actually something that's sacred that like shouldn't just be cast aside. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. So they put me on the stretcher, wheeled me out and everybody in our fire department had showed up. Like when it's one of your own, like you, everybody shows up, which is nice. But (laughs) (laughs) so I had, we have a really big grassy front yard and there were, I mean, everybody was there. Even the head of emergency management in like the director of emergency management in our County, who's a good friend of ours. And he's not on our fire department he doesn't respond to things on our fire department he's over the entire county like the 911 dispatch he showed up he was driving in when i was getting into the ambulance so that's that's a pro, a pro of small town is how people should really do show up when you are in crisis um so and like i just pretty much had to hold everything in with gauze to keep myself from uh from passing out again so i you know, the ride to the hospital was what, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes by ambulance. Um, and then when we got there and I was like, I can't hold it anymore. I, my hand is tired. Um, then I started hemorrhaging again and the ER doctor was visiting from, um, a bigger hospital, um, up in Erie. She was like filling in on a shift and she was like 40 something with a couple of little kids and or elementary school kids. And she was just exactly the person I needed. She was so compassionate. She, and we told her pretty much right away. Once she got me stabilized, uh, once she got my vitals stabilized, she, <laughs> we, we indicated to her that we were not a fan of this OB, uh, who ha- was already on the phone with her giving her orders. Um, he, in seven hours in the ER, he never showed up and he was on call and he was five minutes down the road. So anyway, yeah, she was just an angel and, um, he was giving orders and we indicated to her that, you know, we didn't really trust his, his, uh, I don't know. He just wasn't someone that we wanted to be receiving orders from over the phone (laughs) because as of, as up to that point, he was not exactly, you know, winning the best OB of the year award. So, yeah, she got me, she got me stabilized and, and they were deliberating, keeping me overnight, but I really wound up, I delivered everything clean and I never had to have a DNC. And she said, you know, she really was thorough in her examinations and made sure that there was nothing left that was going to cause, cause infection or anything like that. So, and again, since Ben was an EMT, she recognized his training pretty much right away. And she was like, Hey, I need you to help me. (laughs) Yeah, they were having a nursing shortage or something. It was a nursing shortage, and it was a busy day. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so they were stretched pretty thin. So she 
she uh, that's right she made me glove up and <laughs> yeah <help. laughs> so anyway so after that i came home that night i ate a i ate dinner in the hospital in the er and then around 11 we came home that night and walked out the doors on my own two feet so wobbly I'm amazed that you didn't. I'm amazed you didn't have to have a DNC with that much hemorrhaging. Like that, they did it just sort of slow down and stop enough that they figured it was okay that there wasn't like an open vein or whatever. Yes, yes. Okay. And she, it wasn't pitocin, but it was a derivative of pitocin that she gave me to help me continue to deliver completely. So, so then in your your days and weeks following. Was that sort of the end of your complications or did you then sort of, I don't know what normal healing normally is, right. but were you able to get home and rest and, and heal? Yeah, I think if anything, I just felt pretty anemic, which is very normal. So I think I was taking iron, but all in all, like I felt really normal and I, I don't even remember being extremely tired or I didn't have hormonal swings. I was very emotionally stable. Ben was kind of a mess for the first couple days. Like he just wanted to be alone and work outside. And I'm, I've always been a process after the fact kind of a person. So I think it was like a week or two after the miscarriage, I had my five minutes of of tears. And then ever since then, it's just been, you know, pretty steady in terms of like, like even, even like a, a couple weeks ago, I had a, oh, I think it was when we were decorating our tree and Ben's aunt after the Christmas after our miscarriage, she gave us an ornament in memory of the first baby. And so when I took the ornament out just a few weeks ago and put it on the tree, I was like, you know, I had a little moment, but it, so it's, it's funny how you process and how like, for me, it's taken a while for that completely to sink in. And then process it very, very quickly. I think that's very interesting and true. And I think there's an interesting sort of interweaving, right, with your physical experience. I know I found with mine, like, there were all these physical markers that brought on, you know, more emotional markers when my cycle started again or or um, due dates or stuff like that, that it was sort of interesting if those if those hormones road. Well, I think this is a good actual introduction to this is going to be a two-part series. So in the next episode, we'll be back here with Heidi and Ben and talking about how they processed. And as they, as they teased earlier, it was very different. And I think that's probably really common for lots of, lots of couples as you work through things to two separate humans working through one loss. So I want to thank you guys for joining us for this first episode, and I hope everyone will join us back in episode two. Thank you for listening to Hope Blooms, a podcast from the Early Pregnancy Loss Association. To learn more about how we and you can support women suffering early pregnancy loss, visit our website at miscarriagecare.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for listening.